Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in this fine land. And this is the Todd DeVoe Show, well, part two for today. Um, we're trying some new stuff out here, and uh, sometimes new stuff doesn't uh, doesn't quite work. But that's okay. We're here, we're live, and I have James with me today. James. Welcome to the show. For having me, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here with you all today. Uh, really an enjoyable experience. Uh, this is why we exercise, right? This is the exact reason why emergency managers should exercise every time, every chance they get. Uh, absolutely. And and like the best part about let's you know, the term I, I've always used since I was in the service, uh, <laughs> it makes me a lot lately. Is is uh set for Gumby, right? Always flexible. You gotta be be flexible and, and uh don't let things uh uh keep you down, you know. Oh man. So anyway, I, I had this really great poll question that we were gonna use in the new system because you know, interactive you could do polls. And so the question was, um, you know, have you heard of the EMAP program? Right? E M E P P, right? And then, so I had yes, no, um, great class. And then the question was, is I love James Beard. Does he give the awards out? So do you give out the James Beard Award? Because I, I don't, but maybe that's something that we could maybe uh, wrap into some of future courses, you know, maybe uh, for for the planning practitioner program that, that we're setting up. Maybe it, it takes place over a two-year period. So maybe in two years, we can give out the best Beard Award. <laughs> outstanding so so we're here not to talk about the email program we're here to talk about your new program that you have up um i'm really kind of excited about it because you know we've <clears throat> excuse me we had those long conversations regarding planning what's it really mean and i know like a lot of people um we say hey james do you have a plan for i don't know uh, cybersecurity or something and you go yeah sure here's the one i worked on that i got from uh uh, my friend down over in Virginia and this guy got it from somebody over and in, in wherever. So it's like this plan kind of goes around the loop and then we control H remove James and enter Todd. And then here's my, my cybersecurity plan. Is that how planning should work? I, I would venture to say no. And uh, really we've worked really hard over the last year, year and a half on, on developing a new program for the emergency management community Uh specifically emergency management planners, you know, that's that's a huge bulk of the work that we do in, in the blue sky time is, is planning work. And we definitely need to do a better job of it. Uh, as, as things get more complex and as uh, our risks become more complex, uh, it doesn't make our life any easier on the planning side. So really this uh, new curriculum that we're putting out at uh, FEMA EMI is, is for planners. And, and it's a it's a pretty substantial program and it takes a lot of effort and I'm excited to uh, get, get out to voyage here with, with the rest of the community. So I appreciate you having me on again. Absolutely. Now you've gone through a couple of, um, of practice or, or, or what, do you, what do you call them? Pre and not pre courses. What are they called? What do you call them? The oh, we, we do pilot pilots. Yeah. Ah, that, that's a completely left my head. Yeah. The pilot courses. Thank you. Um, and you said they're well-received. Let's talk about the pilot course a little bit and what you learned from them. Right. So 
I want to say that we started with a very broad scope in the sense that everybody does planning, whether you do planning in the mitigation realm, whether you do planning in response or recovery. Uh, we want we wanted this program to really be applicable for everyone and, and kind of look at planning as a methodology that you can use in order to solve problems. Uh, and, and that methodology really boils down to the uh, Comprehensive Preparedness Guide uh, CPG 101 six-step planning process. And, and we kind of use that as a methodology in which to kind of uh, scope the course. So regardless of what type of planner you are, what background, uh, what roles and responsibilities you have, what level of government you work at, uh, you're going to take something away from this course that's going to be really useful to you in, in your day job. Uh, so we, we did a lot of work in the pilots. We had a lot of smart individuals working on it. This whole thing was built during COVID. Uh, and we, you know, relying on emergency management subject matter experts uh, was difficult during that time. I think we were all very, very busy. Uh, but I had a wonderful group of folks that do planning every day, day in and day out as part of their jobs and really took a step back and say, what do you do every day? What does that look like? And, and, uh, what are the underpinning concepts behind that that make you more effective? And, and how can we uh, turn that into a training program to support the emergency management planning community? Uh, is it? No, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and I, I think it's exciting because we do need to have some more concrete, hands-on experience with planning. Because I think sometimes what occurs, you know, throughout the years is it's been like, well, you you can type well, you know, like you you know how to you know how to wordsmith. You you're an English minor, like when you went to school. Well, wow, you know, you're gonna be the plan writer. And like these people are like, oh my gosh, I I, I don't know the first thing about plan writing, you know, and, and just sort of get thrown into it. And I, I'm glad that that we now have a formal class to go through uh, to help people that are actually in that profession. Because now we've talked about this in the past, um, the idea that. With emergency management, even though we do have generalists, right? Like if you are working for a small town where you might be an office of one. Um, but realistically, even with somebody like that in a small community with one with one employee, uh, we really need to start bringing in uh, prof or, or, or experts in the fields of different things. And um, are we seeing like this idea, like you brought up, but I'm going to steal your your analogy of it right of like going to like a medical doctor or a lawyer right so you go to school and you become a lawyer or a doctor right you become a general practitioner or a general attorney and then you go into specialties whether it's constitutional law or you know with medical it's you know er emergency room medicine all these different boards is this what we're seeing uh the, the professional emergency management kind of going to you know Todd, i'm i'm not 100 percent sure that's that's probably more for the academics and, and the practitioners to really figure out uh, being the training wing. I don't usually get an opportunity to kind of make policy or, or push the, the field forward. But what I do see is the aperture of emergency management is very, very broad. Uh, and it deals with a lot of complex issues and a lot of complex problems. And, to uh, you know, I, I've always said this about myself, so I'm blue in the face, but uh if I, you know, I don't consider myself an emergency management expert because I just don't have the mental bandwidth to understand every nuance of everything that falls within emergency management because it is such a broad field. And there's so much specialized knowledge under each one of these different program areas. Uh, but I really think that's probably something for the practitioners and the academics to work out. Uh, 
instead of me. But ho hopefully we, we can add a little bit uh, to to planners who, who are doing that as part of their main day job uh, currently within their different jurisdictions. And, and that's really the goal. And James, I'm, I'm happy as an academic um, to uh, take on that, uh, that task of, of, of expanding what it means to be an emergency manager for sure. Um, Eileen says, while working on COVID vaccination sites, we were asked to develop a thermal stress prevention plan. I don't even know what the heck that is. And I reached out and received a number of plans, all the same with just the <laughs> names of the nearest site change. But it was not a prevention plan. It was a response plan. And I had to rewrite the plan to be a prevention plan. That's the part of the problem, right? And uh, I really would like to learn more about the thermal stress prevention. Is that a heat? Is that like a heat stress? Like physical metal? I, I need more information on that. I'm going to have to look that one up. But yeah, I really love that example because... It doesn't really matter what the problem set is. If you have a methodology to run through it, it actually kind of helps, right? Hey, I have this wicked problem that I need to solve for. It doesn't matter what that problem is. Is there a way, uh, a process that I can go through, a thought process, and, and really, you know, looking at operational planning through the aperture of, of the six steps of the planning process, I need to make my team. I need to get them together. I need to understand what the problem set really is and all the different variables that come with it. Uh, I need to determine what, what's my goal here? What's the solution? Uh, how do I find that particular solution? There might be multiple ways to, to answer a problem. And then I actually put that solution on paper and then I implement it, right? So it's just thinking things through a methodology, right? And, and just because I'm given a problem and I'm given a plan to change, we usually don't even change the plan until step five of the planning process at the very end. That's actually where we, we actually write the plan and find the right format for the problem set that we're trying to answer. So, uh, I mean, although it's kind of an interesting example when we talk about planning in, in, uh, during crisis where we don't have a plan necessarily to pull from, but just going through a methodology or a process uh, and having the right stakeholders at the table as you're going through that process is, is going to help solve those problems. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, that's the part I think of planning that we miss. Right. And, and what I say by that, the we, the collective we. So we go to the idea of like, okay, you know, Eileen has to do this plan, you know, um, here it is. And I, as she says in there, it's uh, heat stress for workers. That's what I figured it was, but it's just a fancy, fancy name for that. <laughs> Thermal stress prevention plan. Got it. Um, so, so the idea is like, you know, here she gets tasked with this. She gets put in the corner uh, to type out a plan. Um, but it really isn't the paper, this document that we put on our bookshelves, that is the important part of it, right? It's the process. Talk about that process and why it's important to bring other stakeholders into that, that, that program. Absolutely. So, you know, going through the development of the course itself, we talk to a lot of subject matter experts across the field. And two things really, uh, maybe two or three things really put their foot forward as being super important for, for planners across the, the spectrum. Uh, the first is, is project management. We found project management to be a really heavy hitter as far as what people are really desiring and trying to implement the principles of project management into the planning process. And then the other was just stakeholder management. So uh, being a good planner is really being a good uh 
being a good leader of, of a large group of disparate stakeholders that may have their own uh, thoughts on a particular matter. They may be coming from different uh, backgrounds, have different uh, subject matter expertise, and basically drawing from them and facilitating that group is a huge part of, of producing a successful plan. So we do talk a lot about that in, in, in the program itself. Uh, you know, what's the process of selecting stakeholders? Uh, how do I do that more efficiently? How do I get them on board more efficiently, right? Because maybe uh, in a particular uh, jurisdiction, sitting in a particular chair, I may not have the authority to force people onto my planning team. So how can I do that more effectively to get people more involved and more engaged in, in developing a plan? Uh, and then the other part of it is really understanding the question at hand, right? What is my risk? What am I solving for? And uh, how do I do that more efficiently? So I think those were some of the big things that came out of that. And they do get addressed throughout the curriculum in, in different ways and at different touch points. That's great. And, and, I, and I think as long as you're encouraging and, and really helping people walk through that process and, and having them know what it is to create that planning process, sometimes that's the, the step in the right direction, right? Because like, you know, we go through this concept of going, okay, this is, what we need to do, but how, right? The, 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 how is it? And are you helping people work through that, the how of, of the planning process? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's really the, just to kind of give you an overview of, of where the curriculum kind of takes you on this journey. Uh, the first course is uh, the E0237, which is planning theory and application. So how do I take all these different pieces of plan theory put them together and apply it to a particular problem set. So the best way that I could explain it is that course really looks at how do I problem uh, solve for a particular problem. And I look at the plan as a particular project. So it's a one singular project that I'm working on and how do I coordinate a lot of different stakeholders, uh, especially on uh, horizontally. So all these different agencies in my jurisdiction, how do I bring them together to the table uh, to, to solve for a problem. The second course is the E238, uh, the Planning Integration and Contemporary Issues. And that's where we get into a lot of uh, other portions of looking at planning as an entire program. So not just one single plan, but the multitude of different plans from all the different uh, mission areas and core capabilities and how can we be more efficient in that. And then also looking at planning as kind of the beginning of the preparedness cycle and how does it drive the rest of the preparedness cycle and how can we be more efficient in doing that? Uh, one of the other things that we kind of discuss in, in that course is how do we actually make the national preparedness goal uh, a, a reality every day, right? It, the national preparedness goal is, is a really high standard to reach. And what does that look practically through looking at all levels of government, uh, nonprofits, the private sector, uh, how do we integrate with one another to make sure that there's no gaps in, in uh, how we protect and respond in our communities? You know, I, I think that's kind of the the idea here. And this is one of the things I wish I, if I could snap my finger and make the world a better place, right? Um, you know, is that we should be using plans as a guiding principle, emergency operations plans. And the planning process that emergency managers go through, whether it's hazard mitigation, all the different plans that we have out there, there really should be the guiding principle of how organizations and governments 
um, make some decisions. Right. And what I mean by that is not like, you know, decisions of like, whether you're going to put a park in or whatever, but the idea is like when, when Houston, I pick on Houston a lot and I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's just has some issues over there. Um, you know, when they're building out communities, they have this map that says reservoir uh, under it. Right. And they still build communities and reservoir and it flooded out. They're like, oh, I can't believe it flooded. Well, I mean, it's right there in the map. It says that this is what this area is meant for. Um, you know, did they check out? Um, oh, did they check out what it meant? You know, because when we have plans today, you know, when you go to the planning process to build the building, you know, you have to go to the planning department and they have to take a look at it and they have to approve it. Uh, then you have to go through the fire department and get that checked out through as far as for fire safety. You know, um, why shouldn't it stop through emergency management? and compare things going on. And I know this is beyond what we're talking about today, but that's just what, when we're writing, my point about that is when we're writing plans, we need to involve everybody in the process, in the, in the organization, because we should be using this as a principal document of how we make decisions. Absolutely. I, I mean, that really does boil down to like, what do you want to do with the risk that you have? We we've identified the risk. We've gone through the process of, uh, figure out what our risks were and we racked and stacked them through, uh, you know, the thyra process or an SPR and, uh, and, and we know what they are, but how do we systematically look at solving that problem? Can we reduce the risk? Uh, can we offload the risk through insurance and give it to somebody else? Can we, uh, are we actually going to accept the risk? And that's really where your EOP comes into play is, you know, that jurisdiction, or a community has decided to accept that risk as it stands. And now we have to plan operationally against it. So it's actually asking those questions on the front end and saying, you know, I, I would love if, you know, uh, mitigation could put response out of a job. That's probably a perfect world. Right. right. Uh, but how, how do we move the needle of preparedness forward through uh, the planning that we're doing in all of these different mission areas, right? How does mitigation impact response impact recovery all the way down the line. So how can we do a better job in our communities of taking a step back for a moment and looking at the full scale of our preparedness programs and all the plans that we produce and be more efficient and, and thoughtful about it. Uh, and every community is different. You know, I, I can't, I don't know what your community faces out in California. Uh, I know some of the risks that I have here living in uh, South central Pennsylvania, completely different. And it's not really a, a place for me to be able to tell you how to do it, but uh, to take a step back and really think about what your community needs and, and how we can be uh, a little bit more deliberate in, in how we plan against risk. Come on, James, you don't know what every community's uh, problems are and risks no. are. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm very disappointed in that answer, sir. It's like, uh, but you do. So when you come I, to the class, I do. Yeah, I do. I know. I, I know everything. Everything that could possibly go wrong. Oh, oh man, that would be. I'd be beautiful if you did, but uh, also scary at the same time. Um, how do people get involved? How, how do they find you, and how do they uh, come and, and take your courses? Absolutely. So. Uh, we just released uh, our next fiscal year schedule. We're gonna have two full cohorts. Uh, <clears throat> you have to take the courses in order. So uh, you take the planning process theory and application, 
the planning integration contemporary issues right after that. And then we actually require a capstone on the back end. It is a pretty big commitment. So basically, you're going to take a lot of the lessons that you've learned in the classroom through discussion and through uh, practical application through Central City uh, and actually take it back to your jurisdiction and uh, put it into action. But uh, so that's part of the capstone. You have a year to complete the capstone on the back end. So it is it, it is a pretty substantial time commitment. Uh, but I think it's it's a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, so you can go to training.fema.gov, uh, write down, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see training announcements. It should be pretty much close to the top there. It should be PPP FY 23. Click on that, give you all the information you need for applying, uh, some highlights though, uh, make sure you have the prerequisites done. Make, uh, we ask for a one page narrative statement that kind of asks about, uh, your qualifications, uh, and actually committing yourself to the two-year time frame it takes to complete the program. And then we also ask for a one-page letter of recommendation from your supervisor or a supervisor uh, in your jurisdiction saying that they're aware that you are attend, uh, want to attend and they, they're going to support you through that process, especially for the capstone process, because you're going to take that back to your jurisdiction and work on it. So uh, it's, it's nothing too in-depth, but we do want to make sure that we're getting students that have an active planning portfolio, because that's part of the course. So when you take it back to your home jurisdiction, you need to apply it to an active planning portfolio that you may have. Uh, so training.fema.gov, scroll down, we have a training announcement right there, uh, should be right at the top of the stack. So I, I really am hoping we get a lot of folks that apply and we are very thoughtful about creating a classroom environment. Uh, we want planners from all different levels of government we want planners that have different planning sets. We don't mind if you're a small county emergency manager, a big city emergency manager. We want that uh, wide aperture of different types of jurisdictions sitting in the classroom and learning from one another. Absolutely. And we'll make sure that the individual uh, courses, I know that we have the general course stuff um, in the show notes, uh, but we'll make sure that that uh, that is added to it as well. Um, I think that's a, a good idea. Um, so, also, so that being said that, so at the end of the day, when you take this course, it's you're coming out with a product that your jurisdiction can, can use. Is that what I'm hearing? To, yes, basically. So everybody's in a different cycle when it comes to what plans they're working on at a given moment in time, right? You know, one jurisdiction might be on an EOP, a mitigation plan, a certain annex. So really, we want you to apply the project management skills that you learn in the classroom and apply them to actually systematically create a plan to plan, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, we also ask a few other different things. Uh, we talk a lot about systems thinking in, in these courses and actually physically creating system maps in these courses, oh, nice. which is pretty interesting. Uh, it's another way of, of looking at a problem set and different uh, points of data and how flows happen between them. Uh, it's a wonderful tool in your toolbox to have. So uh, there's a lot of things that we we uh, you, you'll get out of the program. That I think there's three big things. First, you're going to leave a better planner than when you showed up. Secondly, you're going to make an amazing uh, you're going to have an amazing network of peers that you've spent time with in the classroom that you can rely on long after you leave the class. Uh, and then lastly, is giving back to your jurisdiction. You know, a lot of these senior leaders allow their emergency managers to come to EMI, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, 
the capstone is an opportunity for uh, that time that they spent up at EMI to be given back to the jurisdiction uh, through, through that capstone process to improve the planning that they're doing at, at any particular level of, of government. Nice. And Joe Browning says, sounds like a great program. So I agree with you, Joe. It does sound like a great program um, as well. So, hey, for, for a little bit of fun, we're going to we're gonna bring in, um, today's the first of the, uh, episode of the, of the month. And when we do this, we have our book review with Mark Baker, where the Baker's Dozen. Could you stick around and, and, uh, and talk about a book review? Sure. What's the right. book? Uh, one second after. <laughs> oh, okay. I have not read that one, but I'll okay. stick around. All right. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd, how you doing? <laughs> doing, doing well. Uh, it seems like we've uh, been here before, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll go to this. And uh, so James James has not read the book, Mark. That's uh, we have to rectify that. That's for sure. But uh, give a little synopsis of one second after and why you picked it for this month. Yeah. So uh, one second after is a it's a story of a. EMP attack on the U.S., which wipes out all electrical capability and all uh, resources that require electronics to operate. And and it kind of plunges society back into a, you know, kind of an archaic age, if you will, um, totally without the, the, the luxuries that we're used to, such as, you know, we don't have any lights anymore. We don't have any running water and we can't produce the, uh, the the products and resources that we're used to having, and and this community it's a it's a book focused in a, a small town, Black Mountain, North Carolina, um, and it's a, it's it it's that small community struggle, right? The lights. <laughs> there we go. As the lights, the lights aren't working. Awesome, man. It's perfect timing. Twice. So, <laughs> so. So yeah, it's their struggle to kind of adapt, overcome, and and still res- and re- retain some kind of continuity of government and and organized way of of, of managing that, that that small community, despite the the, the flow. You know, they they face challenges along the way. You know, food, obviously, water, obviously, those are going to be primary challenges. Um, medical needs. How do you how do you address the medical needs? And then. Um, other influx of like refugees, if you will, from other communities looking for, you know, the the resources that that community may have to offer. So, so it's it's a it's a story of the cha- of a challenge that that that's almost beyond uh, thinkable, you know. But it, I well, think I, if we take I, I don't know about move, nowadays, especially with COVID, I mean, they, I think we everything should be thinkable. If you if you think about the uh, yeah, it's a it's a high consequence, low probability event. But you're right. If so was a pandemic, right before right. COVID. Exactly. So I think it's important that we as practitioners we we do plan for it and we do take measures to 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 what if it and 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 think about those extreme possibilities. Absolutely. You know. Uh, the- like I said before, and, and um, for those that were on Bullhorn, you may have heard this conversation. And oddly enough, the light went out when Mark was doing it on Bullhorn too. It's almost like he planned it. Uh, I don't know if that's a, uh, but um, the the uh, the part I like about the book is the first few chapters. They talk about the city getting themselves organized, and they up op- they open up a, an emergency operations center 
with a group 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 of people look at the problem, trying to find solutions to the problem. Um, and this before it gets you know to the other side of of, of issues that they have. Um, and then I thought that was really kind of cool, and the fact that they had to go to this old library at the bottom of the the college that's in the in the in this in the story uh, to find old manuals and old uh, magazines of like you know popular mechanics and stuff to try to figure out how to make things work because they couldn't go to the university of YouTube to, to, to do it, you know? So, so James, so in, in the planning side of things, you know, on the exercise side of things, I know that we talked about exercise a little bit different than planning. Do you see like, like wide events like this, that the probability of happen are very low, but the, all the problems that come along with it are very high. Is this a good exercise, uh, uh, that you'd want to get involved with? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I spend quite a bit of my time thinking about the low probability, high consequence things that could possibly happen out there. And and really, uh, I think sometimes we get into a habit of saying, hey, that could never happen. And that's just a very dangerous place to be, right? Uh, it, it The only reason it hasn't happened, it just hasn't happened yet, uh, whatever that case may be. And, and you know, even tying it back to, to the curriculum, we talk quite a bit about critical infrastructure and what that means to the communities and, and how can we better uh, mitigate those risks to particular critical infrastructure in our communities and, and actually thinking about what are the third and uh, the second and third order consequences of losing something, right? And that's where that system mapping kind of comes into play is, you know, there's second and third order consequences uh for losing a particular piece of critical infrastructure. And maybe you don't think it's critical, but maybe it's a critical piece of infrastructure for the country and you're just not aware of that, right? Uh, and, and what are the downstream effects of that over the long haul? And, and what can we do to, to ensure that we can either mitigate it or respond to it in, in a, a streamlined way? No, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I found, and Mark and I talked about this on the bullhorn, so if you guys want to hear hear it over there, you guys can, can grab it as well. But one of the things I found very interesting about the book um, was they talked about psych medications running out. And then the conversation came into suspension of, of rights and on the idea of, of could you round up everybody who was taking psych medications um, before they have problems, you know, and, and the academic conversation I had in my head with that was going, okay, as, as a libertarian leaning guy, you go, no, because you know, the freedoms of libertarian of liberty of an individual is most important. But then on the other end of it, if they start going crazy, um, because their medication is done, like they start going, you know, say schizophrenic, um, how do you handle that? And and I thought that was a really interesting conversation that they held through the book. So, and again, it says the it's the cascading events created by one simple event uh, that has all these other questions that kind of came up. And I, I do highly recommend anybody who is an exercise practitioner or looking at different ways of thinking planning scenarios to read the book. Um, and there's a write up on the uh, on the newsletter. Um, if you're not a subscriber to the newsletter, it's on Substack and it's uh, uh, the Emergency Management uh, Network. And uh, check that out over there and you can see what Mark wrote about that. Mark, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Well, 
everybody. We're at the end of the show. James, again, it's always a pleasure speaking to you and, uh, and thank you for working through as, as, uh, Eileen points out, Murphy's law uh, did attack us today. Thanks for working through that. And I'm glad everybody was able to get on the show today. And, uh, uh, what, what do you got going on here in the near future besides the planning uh, class? Anything exciting happening? Oh, that's that's my main uh, that's my main baby right now. Uh, I appreciate you having me on for for today. Uh, I'm also working on some other exercises myself. Uh, so, if anybody is interested, we also have a master exercise practitioner program, and we have uh, integrated emergency management courses. So, there's a million different programs running around EMI at a given moment in time. Uh, so if you're looking for training and education, please go to training.fema.gov. We, we, uh, we'd love to have you either take an IS course or come to campus and join us, uh, for, for a course in Emmitsburg. So it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Todd. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Anytime, but Hey, stand by. We're going to let you go for, but, but uh, don't go too far. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for uh, sticking with us through our technical difficulties. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here on, on Thursdays with us, and it is really important to keep your training up and going, and EMI is a wonderful place to go. If you've never been to the campus, I highly recommend finding some courses that are out there. Um, it's a wonderful place. You get to meet some really great people. The networking events that are up there are outstanding, and it's just a, it's a beautiful part of the country. So, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Follow us on your favorite podcast player. Actually, follow us on Bullhorn. I know this will we'll get through that system over there as well. And you know what? Until next week, everybody, please stay safe and stay hydrated. <laughs>